Well, we certainly in this past week have seen the might and horror of nature through the fires on Hawaii that have, or on Maui, excuse me, that have decimated that town and the island, and also the people who have died, houses that were standing, businesses, churches, reduced to cinders. It was apocalyptic. But there was one woman who they interviewed on the news last night who talked about after being tossed into the sea, clinging to the seawall for eight hours. Hard to imagine. And then she was out helping people, distributing aid from a parking lot of a church that was still standing. It was hard to comprehend. It's hard to still wrap our minds around what nature had wrought upon that island. And indeed, in Canada, North, uh, northern, um, the northern United States, and indeed out west. Terrible wildfires, searing temperatures that have hurt and killed many people, and livestock, and animals. We are in a global crisis, whether or not we want to believe it. And there are some who will, with their dying breath, say there's no such thing as global warming. Well, I have news for them. There is. And if they don't believe it, they ought to talk to the people who have lost everything this past week. We see the same in the gospel story today. The disciples have gone out on the boat. The crowds have gone away. And suddenly this terrible storm comes up. Rembrandt, who I put on an email a couple of years ago during the pandemic, had a beautiful depiction of it. The waves battering the, the boat. The men grasping onto the mast, the ropes, so that they wouldn't be tossed overboard. He even shows a man seasick hanging over the side of the boat. We, saw, we see the ocean, or the sea, in all its fury. And suddenly, and I cannot quite figure this out, and I have tried, Jesus comes walking across the water. And I've often tried to understand what he must have looked like. Was he marching? Was he walking? Did he lift his feet up high? We don't know, but we do know that as he came walking towards Peter, Peter being Peter, decided that he would get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus. All you have to do is tell me to come. Be careful what you wish for should, is what Peter should be told. Because Jesus says, okay, come on. And when he starts walking across, he loses faith and begins to sink. And in that moment, Peter becomes like we are. When we lose faith, we too sink. We forget who we are. And we start looking outside ourselves 
or outside of our relationship with God to get faith, to reinvigorate our faith. Perhaps it's out through alcohol or drugs or scrolling on the internet for hours on end, binge watching on Netflix. We try to understand what is going on in the world and why we don't understand our place in it. Who are we? Is so often the question that we are asked, or we ask. Hi, Abby. She's going to be shy now. So when we look outside ourselves, that is the moment that we are cut off from God and that we are cut off from all that Jesus has to offer us. In those moments, in that moment, when, they get, when Jesus gets into the boat and stills the storm, the disciples say yet again, oh, this is, this, you truly are the Son of God. And we will hear this again, but then when it comes down to the end of Jesus' life, we know the disciples will flee in fear and panic. And also, we understand inherently that what God is calling us to is to step away from, in theological terms, the empire. All of those things I just talked about. Things that want to swallow us up that are meaningless. Karen Armstrong, in her latest book, Sacred Nature, talks about the power of God in the world and the power of God in nature. She says that when these horrible stories appear on the news, there's always a trigger warning. Some of these images may be disturbing. Well, I don't know about you, but that's when I pay a little more attention because I'm thinking, what could possibly be that bad? I've watched enough Law and Order SVU in my life to get it. And then I don't find them to be so horrific. But they are horrific, just like the scenes in Maui. She writes, and I quote, excuse me, as much as we may want to look away, we must gaze upon these events so that we feel compassion to act constructively. What she is saying that if we watch and we feel empathy but we do nothing, then it's all for naught. That we are called to more. That we are to act in a different way. We are to look the empire in the eye and say, we are willing to step over you to get to a fuller understanding of what God's kingdom is. Most of the time we go back to our old ways. I know I do. And Maui will just be a memory. A memory tinged with sadness for those who have visited there. But we also know that through our empathy, that is how real change happens. 
That is the constructive work of God in the world. We can stand on the sidelines and pretend we don't understand or see or hear. But part of being a Christian community is to have empathy and to care for the others, those who are hurting and lost and bind them up. We can do that today in this city. We don't have to travel to Maui to see heartbreak. It's right in our midst. Every day we see stories of violence in our city of Rockford, and every day it pains us deeply. We know of people that are drug addicted, alcoholics, who neglect their children and their families to get the next fix. But when we have compassion and see them as people who are in pain, that is when we can change the world. When Jesus extends his hand out to Peter, he is saying, grab on to me and don't let go, because I will never let you go. He says the same thing to us today. Have faith, as hard as it may be in these tumultuous times. Be willing to stay the course. When people or things get ugly, refuse to get ugly with them. To stay above the fray. To love others as Jesus loves us. And sometimes it's darn hard. I was telling Andrew this morning before church, I go to a certain farmer at the North End City Market. And last week, he had on his t-shirt, quit your cult. I thought, oh, he must be one of us. So I asked him, I said, and he knows I'm a priest, and I said, so what does that mean? And he said, I'm sick of this woke stuff. I just don't like it. I don't understand it. We're losing our values. I paid my money, and I walked away, and I thought, okay, I'm never going to talk to you again. And I thought about it all week long. I prayed about it. If I walk away from this fellow who has pretty darn good vegetables, I must say, well, it's all about me, but... What kind of a person am I? What kind of an example do I set? What do I, every Sunday when I stand in front of you and say, we must engage the other. So when it becomes patently obvious that the other is standing in front of me, what do I do? So I went up to his stand yesterday and I said, you know, I almost didn't come back this week because of your t-shirt. And he said, oh, so we, we were talking, but there were people that were coming up and interrupting us. So I paid my money, and I was, as I was walking away, he said to me, thank you. Thank you for asking me what my t-shirt meant, but also thank you for coming back. And I said to him what I say now. If we don't engage with others, that's how we're cut off. That's how we put ourselves in silos and refuse to exhibit what Jesus exhibited to Peter. 
He could have let him drown, but he decided that saving Peter was worth it. And I think that by speaking out, not in a way that's denigrating or angry, but just speaking out, speaking our truth, is how we are able to become better followers of Jesus and how we become better citizens of this planet. Delbert, answer your phone. He's laughing as he leaves. <laughs> so this week, I'm going to put it out there. Try to engage the other. It's not easy. It was darn difficult. I stood there wondering if I should say anything or not. But I was glad I did. Because through that, we were able to have a conversation and deepen our relationship, even though it's in bits and pieces. That's how we build compassion in the world. That's how we save not only the Peters, but ourselves. Amen.